The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. New hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or rehung. Enjoy a medium, hotter, iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, D-Gen Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the Sanderson Farms Championship. As usual, I am here with my partner in crime, everyone's favorite Canadian, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, how are you doing this week? Kenny, I'm doing good, man. It's Golf is back. Uh, I did a lot better in golf than football last week, so that was exciting. And yeah, it's uh, crazy. We we knew we were going to get somebody like a, a Neiman or an M or an Ann or someone like that to get the job done. And Neiman with the very emotional, emphatic birdie putt on 18 to drop it down and take it down. So exciting week for golf and for golf fans everywhere. And again, low odds guy gets it done. So happy to see Neiman finally get that W. Yeah, Joaquin, the dream Neiman, takes it down this past week. Of course, he was one of my bets on the uh, Fantasy Golf Degenerates uh, betting segment. It's been a little bit of a hot streak that we've been on. Uh, we started off the season slow last year because we just, at me personally, I had just gotten in to, uh, to golf betting uh, by itself. I know, Tambo, you've been betting for a while, but, you know, I was strictly DFS. But with the, with the legalization of um, uh, sports betting in the United States, we, we decided to add it on the pod, and it was a bit of a struggle early on. Uh, but since the U.S. Open, uh, now, uh, since we, now since the PGA Championship, We've hit, uh, I think, six outrights, um, three uh, at the major. So I hit Kepka at the PGA. You hit Woodland at the U.S. Open. I hit uh, you. You and uh, Coley hit Lowry at the Open Championship, and then I went uh, Reed at the National uh, Northern Trust. JT at the uh, BMW, and then this past week, Joaquin Neiman at uh, the what was it last week? What tournament was it last week? I forget. It's the Green fall. You forget stuff. There we go. There we go. So you know, six hits since then. Uh, four, three in the last four tournaments by myself personally. Also had a second place. Uh, Xander, I had Xander at the Tour Championship. He came in second. Uh, I also hit uh, Soderberg live at Omega at 125 to one or 100 to one, and I had a Rittenheimer live at 125 to one at the Porsche and he finished second. So it's been a pretty strong uh, betting six weeks for me. The strongest I've ever had. It's the first time I've actually withdrew money uh, from my, from my, <laughs> from my, from my betting account on Bavada. And of course it takes like three weeks to get the check. I don't do Bitcoin and stuff like that, but whatever, it's fine. I, I actually get to withdraw some money from the betting account. So it's been a nice little run. We're going to try and get it done again uh, this week, but let's talk about Joaquin. Um, and what he did this past week. I mean, the guy, he putted exceptionally well. The, the tee to green game was there for him. We all saw that a win was coming, but this is crazy. If you heard, this is, he's only a third golfer 
that are born outside of the United States to win on the PGA Tour before 21 years of age. The other two golfers were Seve Ballesteros and Rory McIlroy. Uh, pretty good uh, you know, people to be around for Joaquin Neiman uh, this week. Great win by him. He sort of took it away uh, on the last day. The nerves weren't really there. I mean, he was still, what, three up with three to play, and he finished beating the field by, I think, six strokes. So uh, the, the pressure didn't get to him. He went out there, played his game, did exceptionally well, was extremely emotional. Uh, now, what did you think of the tournament? Yeah, I, I didn't really watch a ton of it. Like I saw what he posted on Friday. Saturday, I got to get a few holes in in the afternoon there. Sunday, I actually watched quite a bit of it, even with football. And I got a couple TVs back to back. So I, I just put it on in the back. And you said it. I mean, the, the nerves weren't there. The guy's, you know, stone cold killer. The, like I watched for little interesting things. And on 18, when he walked up, I mean, he was. it looked like he was kind of nervous because it was sort of soaking in the moment. And he was really in his head, like being like so excited at the same time with not wanting to show it almost. But it was almost like he was when he kneeled down on the ground with his putter there while he's waiting his turn. He was like talking to himself. It looked like he was almost like thinking you could just sense that he was saying like, you still got to make this putt. Like he's just that dialed in and lights out. And so for him to make that putt was just incredible. And the fist pumps and all that. And you mentioned a stat and I saw a great follow on Twitter, Nosferatu at VC606. He does all the OWGR stats. Uh, you should go follow him. He's a really good follow. But he said the stat of the day. Neiman cracked the top 50 in the OWGR for the first time at the age of 20. He's only the third golfer to reach the top 50 for the first time, well age 20, between 20 and 21 years old, in the last 30 years. Who are the other two? Tiger Woods and Jordan Spieth. So pretty pretty good company there as well, Kenny. So other, other than that, I, you know, I think obviously we knew what he was. We, we'd been expecting something we loved him in dfs a lot of guys had outrights on him i saw across twitter and across the industry so good for them good for him it was awesome to see my, my big takeaway was still um victor hovland man he's the sunday killer the guy went out again on sunday and had another what was it a 64 to yep. to close his round out and, and ended up finishing what did he finish like uh top 10 i think top yeah. 10 yeah, I, I think, think top, top 10. 10 yeah so uh, another super solid week every round under par like the guy just goes out and kills it so I hope he does something soon. I hope we see him again here quickly. I know. I think he went over to the BMW this week, which was uh, pretty cool to see. You know, that's a strong field. I know DraftKings didn't really pony up for it, but it is what it is. We're, we're doing what we can and making do with what we've got. Uh, the other side note before I kick it back to you was: uh, Did you see Sergio win the KLM? Yeah, I did see Sergio win. Yeah, he's back. He's back. We got. I guess we got to monitor that. We got to monitor that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's. He's back again. He had his little baby daughter winning the KLM. Um, I didn't really pay too much attention to the Euro last week because of the PGA. Right. But this week's Euro, this week's Euro tournament is stacked. Uh, I mean, like you got Rory, you got Hovland, you got a whole bunch of other great golf rom out there. It's going to be a great tournament. I might throw some of my favorite bets on the uh, Gups Corner Slack here for the for the Euro Tour uh, later in, in later in the week. So if you're if you're not a member, get on. We'll give you the promo code here later on uh, in the show. Uh, a couple of other things. I mean, like it, it was pretty good. I mean, it, it, you watch the uh, Soul Line Cup. I know we're not big on ladies golf here. We don't talk about it too often. But what a dramatic turn of events Crazy. in that tournament. It was it was so thrilling to watch. And I know a lot of people don't like women's golf. They're, they're not the biggest fan. But this was just drama to the 10th degree at the Solheim Cup this past week. And, and the crazy thing is Suzanne Peterson – uh, who was the one who made the final putt? I guess uh, one of the one of the United States ladies she missed her putt on 17 to keep the match going. So that meant that Suzanne Patterson's uh, Peterson's putt on 18 was to win uh, or lose the Solheim Cup. Like it was such a big putt. It was like a 12 footer with a left to right break, and she just drained it, dropped her club or putter like it was a like it was a mic drop and and she she announced her retirement i was gonna say yeah it was a mic drop she retired yeah. After, yeah now now i don't know if many of you guys remember suzanne peterson was the original matt kuchar uh back in 2015 she pulled what matt kuchar did against sergio at the match play this past season um, you know, if you all remember, we had that huge little yeah. <laughs> fight about 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 what Kuch, what Kuchar did, where uh, you know 
uh, Sergio missed the putt, had about six inches, was just tapping it in just to fuck around because he figured that the putt was going to be given. And Kucher was like, nah, dog, I didn't give that to you. (laughs) So that caused a big scandal, right? But the first person to do this was, or the first person I remember, I'm sure it's been done before, but Suzanne Peterson did this in the 2015 Solheim Cup. Uh, She was playing four balls with, uh, uh, you know, with her partner and two Americans. They were on like 14 or whatever. And 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 the, the American missed her birdie putt to uh, to, to 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 win the hole, L- about two feet away from the, the the cup. What Suzanne Peterson and her teammate did is they just start once they missed the birdie putt. The United States missed the birdie putt. They walked off the green and started walking towards the next hole. Well, then the United States pe- uh, team went ahead and just scooped their ball up. And when they scooped their ball up, Peterson turned around and was like, "We didn't give that to you." It was the biggest bitch move. I mean, people were going crazy <laughs> who were fans of ladies golf back then. People hated on her ass. Everyone was talking so much shit. That night, she doubled down and said, I would do that shit again. Uh, now, the next day, she realized all the, 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 the scathing remarks that she was getting online and people sending her crazy stuff. Uh, and she, she backtracked and made a huge apology, said she was in the wrong. But the damage was already done. Uh, and the United States took that to their advantage because they were down by four going into the singles match on the final day, and they came back and beat the Europeans uh, at that Solheim Cup. So little, little history, LPGA history. You probably could skip over that if you're not the biggest fan uh, of the LPGA, but still, that was a great, great tournament to watch. It was an unbelievable. I want more international team events in my life injected into my veins. It was amazing stuff, and I loved it. Uh, did you get to watch any of that at all, Tambo? I, I just saw the ending of it and everything that went with it, and obviously there was even controversy of why she was even there, uh, you know, her history in the past, but, you know, didn't play many events. I believe she'd come off something like maternity leave or whatever, and then ended up getting, you know, entered into the tournament. And like they just said, the the turn of events of if the American had made it, maybe that coach gets discriminated against for, not discriminated, I guess, you know, talked about because it's a bad decision to bring her along. It didn't work out. But, you know, in this case, it actually turns out that that coach is the hero because yeah. she did bring her along. So it's just funny how that works in the end. And I, like you, love the team events. I think they're incredible. The more we can see of them, excited for this year. Obviously, there's going to be Olympics. That's not the same exactly, but I, I still like that atmosphere as well. So we are getting a, a, a good season ahead of us anyways, and I'm excited for it all. Yeah, also, I had 50 bucks on the Euros at plus 175 to start the day. So that made it more exciting for me as well. You know, gambling, of course, makes everything better. So I won that as well. I I hit a Matt Jones uh, over Keegan Bradley in the fourth round for 50 bucks at like plus 115. It was a hell of a fucking week for me gambling-wise. Now, DFS-wise, I sucked ass. I lost about $300 cash game cornerstones, even though I had Neiman in my cash game cornerstones. I went three for four. Uh, you know, so with the winner going three for four, if you do okay on your other two picks, you're probably going to win, especially nowadays uh, with the cut moving to 65 golfers instead of 70. Well, that didn't happen to me. I had Lahiri who missed the cut and Streb who finished basically dead fucking last. So I missed out on the, on the cash, had a losing week. Um, but let's talk, uh, let's talk about uh, one thing. Okay, before we get into this, uh, Hovland, you were talking about how amazing he's been on Sundays. It's not only Sundays. He tied the record for most consecutive rounds uh, in the 60s, uh, 17 straight rounds in the 60s for Mr. Hovland. He's, he tied the record from Mark Kalkovecchia from all the way back in 1993. So this guy is the real deal. He's playing unbelievable golf. It's, a, it's crazy he hasn't won yet, and a win yeah. is going to come. I doubt it's going to happen at the BMW. If it does, it's going to be huge because he's playing against some of the superstars in the game. But when it comes back to the PGA Tour, it's probably an auto bet no matter the number every week he plays um, You know, for the rest of the fall. Because the guy... Yeah, he's, mi- he's missing the Friday number. Like, you know, Neiman posted a 62 on Friday and then went and did the same thing as Hovland did on Sunday. If Hovland <laughs> has that Friday... Or, the, or does it on a Saturday on moving day? He, it, all I was trying to say, and if you look at the Sunday actual numbers, it's like 65 is his worst, I think, or 66 one time, and then all 65s are 64. So you nailed it. He's crushing under par but and, and in rounds in the 60s. But if he has that big Friday or, or big Saturday, we know he's got the nuts down the, down the stretch on Sunday, and he's going to close it out. So that's the exciting part. If you have a bet riding on him on Saturday, and he's going in with like a two or three stroke lead on Sunday, you got to feel good about it at that point. 
Yeah, well, of course, we'll see, because I, has he ever had the lead going into Sunday yet? I don't think he has. No, um, that's so, what I'm saying. He's missing so, one day. He's missing yeah. one day of a big, low number. So, you know, that always changes things when you actually sit on the lead uh, after 54 holes, and we'll see how that goes with him, because you know it's going to happen at some point in time when we see for Hoffman. All right, so let's move on to uh, our Listener League winner uh, this past week. It was the rookie 723, a fellow Northern Virginia man, just like me, lives right outside of D.C., hit me up on Twitter. He had a great lineup this week with Joaquin the Dream Neiman, who, good job, guys, 55% owned uh, in the Listener League. That was just the smart move uh, to do right there. He also had Sung J.M., who finished in 19th with a with a mediocre Sunday at uh, 32.6%. Benny On, the Korean duo we, that he had, I like that, I like that a lot, uh, finished in uh, – 47th after a really poor Sunday. He was up there like minus nine, minus 10 going in to the final round and really shit the bed on Sunday. He was 33% owned. Uh, Cameron Tringali, who I like a lot this week, uh, I like last week as well, 12% owned, uh, finished in 36th. Doc Redman, uh, 24th place. Uh, finished in uh, 24th place, 16% owned. And he had Richie Wojcicki, who finished in third, uh, 1.33% owned uh, in the uh, Listener League. What would you think of the lineup there? Well, we loved it, right? We talked about this on the pod last week. We said just play those three, him and Neiman, and then figure the rest out. And that's what he did. So, uh, you know, props to him. He found the right three below, but that was that 9K range where you could just push everybody in and figure it out from there. And that was sort of the three we were heavy on. So uh, good to see somebody get it right. I had a couple lineups like that with five out of six, and the five out of six turned out to be the real deal this week. You know, the new cut rules and 65 and no MDF, which I'm still thrilled about. I was going to, you know, I saw you tweet that out. And I was just saying, you know what? I, I could care. Like, I still am happy that it was that way. I know it cost me a little bit of money this week. I, I think I, I put in a thousand, got back like 860 between both sites. I had a pretty good run over on FanDuel, but both sites were five out of six heavy. Both sites had really strong five out of six. I even got 50th or something in the big $44 on DraftKings with a five out of six and a guy with Stefani at like plus nine or whatever he was, it, it's still possible. And I think, you know, some weeks it'll matter, other weeks it won't because those, you know, whatever it was, 17, 18 guys will get in. This week they did not. So what did you think of the new cut rule, Kenny, and how that affected Daily Fantasy? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the cut going to top 65 and ties with no MDF, I think it's a bigger deal for cash uh, because, you know, I think something like 16 or 17 golfers would have made the cut with the old rule more. Uh, that's nearly 10% of the field. Uh, that's huge for cash because the thing is, like, I had a lot of golfers last year who made the cut on the number uh, in cash lineups, and that's that's, that's going to be gone. Like, the number is going to go up uh, because of, of these new rules, and I think it's going to make cash games a little bit more difficult uh, this season. I mean, personally for me, uh, four of six would have cashed if I had – if Streb did anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, if he did, if Strep didn't finish dead fucking last, uh, I would have been okay. Even though I had the winner uh, on the team, I still didn't cash. And it's going to make it a little bit more difficult uh, in cash games to get that 6-6 through. We saw last week, 6-6 uh, was under 5%. Now, when on the weeks where the chalk hits almighty, uh, you're, you're, you're going to see larger numbers. I mean, that's just what it's going to be. Now, for GPPs, I don't think it's going to be – it's going to hurt more when you have a, a, a nuts lineup of five or six and one guy who missed the cut on the number. Of course, it's going to be more painful, but, you know, you still need six of six. You still need to do well. You still need the winner. I mean, I don't think that's going to change too much for GPPs. But for cash games, it's going to make it more difficult. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's going to make my job, of course, more difficult as well because, you know, that's what I do. I'm a cash guy. So a lot more work to do this week, trying to get these uh, every week this year, trying to get these guys four for four in the cut with my cash game cornerstone. So the cut rule is definitely going to change the way – cash games are going to be played and how they're going to be finished out. I think that's the way it's going to be for the new, the new rule. What do you, do you agree with me there, Tambo? A little bit. Yeah. And I think uh, it just kind of reminds me of football a little bit. So if anyone who plays daily fantasy NFL or college or whatever, um, I've noticed this trend in cash a little bit, you know, Adam Levitan guys like that have talked about it where, you know, back in the day or, or when you could, you know, first build cash lineups a few years ago, you could just put the best, you know, floor ceiling guys that you wanted but now that people have got a little bit more onto that, you'll see someone like, and I'll just use football terms, but like someone like a John Ross or, you know, Chris, Chris, Christian Kirk or Chris Kirk or whatever his name, Christian Kirk, 
for Arizona going to the lineup over Larry Fitzgerald because they don't want to go with the, just the safety play. They'll take a little bit more risk with the upside because if they get there, and in your case, it's talking about making the cut. In their case, it's about you know catching a few passes, making the touchdown. It's just they're going to put a little bit more upside into the lineups, and I think that will happen in cash where if you get too safe, quote-unquote, then you, you'll have to, you know, you'll be seeing a lot more four out of sixes when guys are at five out of sixes and you're in bigger trouble than you were before. Yeah, that could be true. Most definitely. And a real quick shout out to Felderenzos who whooped our ass in a three man last week. We haven't lost yeah. a three man in a minute. Uh, and But I do think, if I remember correctly, in the fall is when we lost the most. So uh, good for Felderanos beating our asses in the three-man. So let's uh, that's enough from that last week. Let's get to this week. The PGA Tour uh, – actually, before we talk about that, I'm sorry, guys. I do got to talk about GupsCorner.com. Using promo code DGEN10, you get yourself a 10% discount on the sub. It's a full – if you do the year-long sub, it's 365 days. It includes football. It includes golf it includes bets uh it includes all this great stuff you know you get tambo's article you get my uh, article every week you get both of us on the slack channel every week talking all week you get gups rankings uh gups ownership projections it's really worth it the price is right it's like 120 bucks for the year and you know it's like ten dollars a month you get that 10 percent off it goes to nine dollars a month for, for a year-long subscription. If you don't want to do a year-long, just want to do monthly, you can do that too for, I think, what, $13.99, $14.99, uh, something like that. So get on gupscorner.com right now. Get yourself a membership. Use promo code DGEN10. All right, so the PGA Tour heads to Mississippi for the Sanderson Farms Championship from the Country Club of Jackson. The Country Club of Jackson has hosted this event for the last five years, and five winners used a variety of different strategies, especially off the tee, to get the job done. Uh, Ryan Armour and Peter Malnati, uh, when they won, they plotted their way through the course using less than driver on many holes. They both averaged less than 270 yards off the tee. Now, Nick Taylor and Cody Gribble hit driver off the tee a bit more as Taylor averaged 295 yards off the tee and Gribble 312 yards off the tee. Then came Cameron Champ last year, who, you know, bomb and gouged his way to victory as he averaged 334 yards off the tee. Now, the one thing that was fairly similar between the golfers uh, in their winning week in their winning weeks was solid iron play. Only Cody Gribble was outside the top 10 in greens and regulation for the week of their win. Also, all five winners were inside the top six in putts per greens and regulation and were strong in strokes gained putting. Now, what does this really tell us? Probably not too much because basically any type of golfer whose putter gets hot can win this event, which makes it more difficult to narrow down the playing field. Now, one thing I will say is that Champ's bomb and gouge strategy is gaining popularity on tour, especially in younger golfers. Uh, we've seen Rom, Kepka, and others use this strategy pretty successfully the last couple of years, and I think this course can be well-suited uh, for that type of play. All right, so now the Country Club of Jackson is a 7,450-yard par 72 with the traditional four par threes and four par fives. The par fives here aren't easy. The birdie rate on the four par fives are usually bottom 15 for courses on tour each season. Now, three of them are quite lengthy, 584 yards, 590 yards, 615 yards, and the par 5 11th, which is only 554 yards, has a giant pond in front of the green, leading many to lay up on the second shot. Uh, now, with the length and talent of many of these young golfers, someone can go off on the par fives. But in my opinion, this is the one of the rare courses with, poor, with four par fives where scoring needs to come from the par fours. Uh, seven of the ten par fours are under 450 yards, including the drivable par four 15th hole. Now, off the tee, golfers will see slightly above average with tree-lined fairways with bunkers guarding the landing zones. The trees aren't dense, so even if golfers hit it into the trees, it's possible that they will have a shot onto the green. There aren't too many dog legs, and the rough is only around two and a half inches tall. Uh, as stated earlier, there will be a wide array of strategies from the tee box. You know, outside of the par fives, the course is short enough where we'll, we will see most hitting less than driver off the tee. But since there aren't too many dangers around the fairway, we will see those bomb and gougers as well. Uh, one thing in favor of short hitters is the fact that the course hasn't seen much rain this season. So the fairways will be dry with plenty of rollout. 
Uh, on approach shots, golfers will see above average size elevated greens with bunkers, water, and runoff areas guarding the putting surface. Uh, the greens have a bit of slope and undulation, and missing the greens will lead to tough up and downs from below the hole or from the green side bunkers. Uh, the greens are Bermuda grass with a stint meter rating of around 12. Now, even with the drier weather, greens should still be receptive. As you know, we've seen in the past, the course superintendents and the people who work there have been known to water the greens uh, before each wave and each round. Uh, Tambo, what stats are we looking for this week? A lot, a lot of the stuff you talked about, but I mean, you said at the bomb and gouge with champ worked last year, guys are going to it a little bit more. That's that sort of the off the tee game. So a little bit of that, you know, the scores have been super low here the last few years. Definitely going to be looking at birdies are better scoring opportunities, that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, strokes gain on approach important for the, you know, greens and regulation, the mix that you want to have there. And then the putting is what it is. I'm not going to look at it too much because of, you know, it's we, like you said, whoever gets hot, gets hot. And we'll talk about it with these guys we go through. But for me, it, while it's very small, one week of sample size, I'm still going to look at last week. A lot of the stuff I'm going to talk about in the research I've done is based off of what happened last week and what we know about these golfers and little tidbits and things that we'll give along the way with each of them. So uh, a lot of the recent form stuff, as well as just history. All right, so let's get into the tiers here. Let's start off in this 10K range like we usually do. We got Benny on all the way to Joaquin, the dream, Neiman. Who you like in this range there, brother? Just two. So I, I'm not really going to do a T3PO for right here. I got one coming up next. But, um, you know, Neiman just came off an emotional win. His price is up there. I expect him to go low still. I expect him to play well. I, I just don't know if he's going to pay off 11-3. So I'm happier to go elsewhere. Maybe people click him just because there is a lot of value. And, and people have seen now that you can just sort of put whoever you want at the bottom of the card. And some of them are going to get through and they're going to take more chances, especially in the bigger fields. But not really feeling him. Not on Snedeker at those prices ever. Not really on Glover at those prices. I like him when he's much cheaper. So I, I still like Sung J.M. Again, the guy's just a win waiting to happen. Maybe he gets inspired you know, by Neiman there. So at 14 to one, I'm not going to be betting him later on, but I do think that's, you know, we said it's the prototypical thing. I have been fed. That's a fact. I have been fed. That's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Where it's he's going to win in the fall or the swing season at some stupid number like 14 to 1. Well, here it is. So uh, I do like him still. I'll start some lineups with him. And then I, I guess I said I didn't have a teacher bureau, but I forgot it starts at 10K. This is crazy because I know everyone's going to be on this guy this week. Everyone's on the Scotty Scheffler train. I'm still going to stick to my guns with Benny Ann. I, I get it. The, the recent form for Scheffler is off the charts. He did it again with seventh last week. He actually played here last year and made the cut versus Benny Ann's a first timer. But, you know, the funny thing about these guys, they're both actually not that great of a putter. Like Scheffler, I checked back in the stats. He hasn't putted well for like 50 rounds. He's way near the bottom in this field, like Benny Ann. They're very similar across the board in all their other stats. Benny Ann, if anything, has, has room to improve off last week because he's normally a much better ball striker. Uh, and Scheffler came in seventh, but he did lose huge putting. So I am going to stick to my guns. I might have a little bit of a hedge play later, but I'm going to go Benny Ann over Scheffler. And then you take over the top range, and then we'll move from there, Kenny. I don't hate that day three PO, but the funny thing is I like both of them uh, because yeah. I like Benny on Benny on is going to be the only, probably as of now, he's the only guy I'm playing in the 10 K range. I I'm thinking I, 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 maybe Lucas Glover, but Benny on is, is the one that I'm going to play definitely in this range. Uh, the thing about Sung J M I'm a little bit worried about uh, his iron play really hasn't been that great. And his wedge play has been awful. Uh, one of the worst wedge players in this field in the last 50 rounds. I think he's ranked 141st out of like 145 golfers who are registered uh, in from 125 to 150. And a lot of approaches are going to come in that range. And I'm a bit worried about that with Sungjae. So I'm not going to have Sungjae this week, but I am going to play Benny on. And then the funny thing is, Scotty Shuffler is my first cash game cornerstone the guy's been playing exceptional golf both on the uh on the corn ferry tour and on the uh pga tour after what he saw last week the guy's a great golfer he's going to be one guy who we're going to talk about here for a while i think the you know, funny thing is he sort of looks like an older mark leishman 
And I don't know how he can look older than Mark Leishman, even though he's 15 years younger than him. But that's what I see whenever I see <laughs> Scotty Scheffler out there. He looks like an older Mark Leishman, like a cross between like Mark Leishman and Kevin Chappell. Like if you put those two guys together, you get uh, visually uh, Scotty Scheffler. But I do like Scheffler. Iron play is great. Um, you know, you know, Tita Green, really, really solid. Um, good from longer distances. You will have a couple of 200-plus uh, yard uh uh, approaches here, even though we'll see about that. It just depends on how long he can get his drive because the par fives here are not all reachable in two. Uh, by and like I'd say, the most aren't reachable uh, in two just because of the way it's set up. And that's why I like looking at par fours uh, a little bit more this week and how the golfers do there uh, to, to pick my pool. But Scotty Scheffler is going to be my first cash game cornerstone pick, and my second is going to be your Canadian brethren. Corey Connors at $9,600, a second in the field in strokes gain, tee to green and strokes gain approach in the last 50 rounds. He's third in the field in wedge play from 125 to 150 yards. So I really do like Corey Connors uh, in this range. And GPP wise, uh, I think I'm going to play a little bit of the, the uh, JT Postman there. You know, he's, if you look at his longer form, his iron, his wedge play has been sort of poor. Uh, but recently, he's really turned up his wedge game. I think he's 132nd in proximity from 125 to 150 yards in the last 50 rounds. But I think he's third in uh, 125 to 150 in the last 12 rounds. So it maybe he's sort of caught something uh, with that iron game, and he's been doing really good tee to green, uh, getting a ton of DK points here lately. Lately, been really good on par fours as well. So I like posted for GPPs. Who do you like in this range? You, you said it. I like Connors. So, you know, second here last year. I don't know if he's going to be popular because of that price, but, you know, he showed it last year. His last five finishes are insane, like all above a top 25. So, you know, at 9,600, he's got some value. I don't mind your post and call, but I always like to play Grillo, especially get a little bit of a price drop from these other guys. He, I feel like he's priced just right. I don't think he's you know, cheap or anything like that because he's still sort of that guy that can go either way, but he always has upside. Uh, I like him better, especially in weaker fields like this. He hits fairways, he hits greens. Obviously it always comes down to the putter, but he is a guy that has some immense upside when he goes off. So uh, I do like Grillo. Um, not so sure, uh, you know, I could take a flyer on Fratelli, something in like, tw- if I if you got like 20 plus lineups, I, he hasn't played for a bit, but we know he's talented. So sort of him and Poston are those fire plays for me. Uh, McCarthy's a little bit scary, but I kind of like him just because, well, he's kind of like a Jordan Spieth in this field, right? He's, he's literally all putter, but he is that good at putting. So, uh, he came seventh here last year, his last five results, only one missed cut and all the others are like a 31st or better. So don't mind him. He, the guy can putt, like I said, so, uh, you know, you could fit him in, but still a little bit pricey for me. And then to finish out the range, you know, the, the higher end of the range, I guess. And then we'll go into the Normally we don't split the 8K range, Kenny, but it is pretty stacked below this. So I'll give my second T3PO and then I'll kick it over to you. But uh, my second T3PO is going to be Wise over Champ. Uh, I don't know how popular Champ will be, but obviously he's the defending champion. So sometimes that can gain some ground. You know, people like to play him. You know, his price is all right. But I just think the talent, price, and upside of Wise is so much better. I really like that play. We saw some sparks from him last year fly. You know, he's got some good results there. And then on top of that, it's a new season for him. He's going to be coming in hungry at 8,500. He has a lot of upside, I think. Really like that play there over Champ. Not really too excited to go back to him. More of a wait-and-see approach. Below that, like 8,400 and down, it gets crazy. I've got a whole list. So who do you like at the top of the 8K range, Kenny? And then maybe talk me through the bottom bottom range. One thing I will say is I do like Grillo as well. So I, I do like that play. I'll play a little bit of Grillo at the 9,400 price. I do like Denny also. I think he had like – he had that one really – he started off slow, but it came back strong and was like something like, I don't know, 11, 12 under on like 24 holes uh, from the, the end of the first round to the end of the second round. So, uh, you know, you know he can go low, especially with that hot putter. And I think people are going to be off of him after he didn't fare that well uh, on the weekend. So I do like Denny. Uh, I'm, I like your Wise over Champ call. I mean, Wise was playing a little bit better golf towards the end of the season last year. Uh, you know, he's, he, he has a fair amount of birdies. I think he's uh, top 10 and birdies are better gained uh, in the last 12 rounds. He's always good with his wedges as well. Uh, he's also good from 150 to 175. So like the two proximity ranges I'm looking for where the majority of all approaches come from here at this course is 125 to 150 and 150 to 175. And he's top 20 in both. Uh, no, I'm looking at the wrong guy. Wise 
I'm sorry. I was looking at the wrong dude. Wise, I was looking at Cook. Wise is the birdie man. So he's a guy first in birdies are better gained, uh, fourth in draft king points, uh, and pretty decent in those two proximity ranges. Not as good as Cook was uh, at $9,000. I might actually have to take a peek at now since I'm looking more at his stats. Uh, but I, I do like your wise call. Uh, other than that, a little bit lower uh, in the 7K range, I'm going to take a flyer on Luke List. After what we saw last year with uh, Cameron Champ bombing and gouging his way uh, to victory, this seems like this could be a course where List can finally get the monkey off of his back. I know he hasn't been playing well. Uh, you know, he hasn't played in a while either, and he didn't end the season strong. But, you know, you know the talent's there. You know he can bomb it with the best of them out there. He's really good from long ranges. He's pretty good from 150 to 175 as well. So I'm going to take a small flyer on Luke List at 8K. Who do you like in his bottom 8K range? Yeah, I guess it was more and all, that's a good segue because I'll meld it into the, the the high sevens because it's just this whole range here, right? It's a crazy range of guys. So this week I'm definitely, you know, I wasn't as high on the $8 last week, so I could put a bunch of lineups in, but this week I'm going to take a, a bigger approach in the $8 and, and do some multi-entry, mainly because of stuff like this. So you got a crazy range here. I said, you know, you got Munoz, who I probably like one of the one of the best plays in here. He had a really strong week, just didn't get the putter going, finished in seventh, really like him. Uh, you know, you got Stanley, List, Streelman, who I'll have to pick and choose, but that's sort of the talent versus price. You just talked about List. Obviously, guys like him and Stanley haven't done much lately. Streelman just missed the cut, but has some history here, and he's a great golfer, and his price went down a little bit. So I like those guys. Armour has won here before, so he's got the course history. And then Sam Burns is the you know local guy, got some local ties growing up just a few hours away. Um, you know, back on Bermuda, but I am the one who always says this. I don't care about that. He actually put it just fine last week on on the the bent grass. So, but obviously, you know, Bermuda Burns is talked about often enough. That good history. La- last year he came third here. The year before that, forty third. So probably Munoz and Burns to to take away from talk about the whole list. But I'm just saying this is a range where you're gonna have to differentiate yourself and just pick and choose your spots or get a, get in a bunch of lineups that you can put in and just start making a million of them so you can get every co- combination that you want. Yeah, I mean, from this range, uh, I do love Munoz. Munoz is my third cash game cornerstone pick uh, this week. Uh, the guy's just been playing great golf. I mean, he's been making all the cuts. He, he's top 10 in drafting points in the last 50 rounds. Really good from 400 to 450 yards. We're going to see a half a dozen uh, uh holes in that range par fours in that range so i do like sebastian munoz he'll be my third cash game cornerstone pick uh, i'll go ahead and do my last cash game cornerstone pick even though it's a little bit lower it's cameron tringali at seventy three hundred dollars again the iron play has been good he's been making a whole bunch of birdies he's been crushing par fours he's been making a lot of cuts uh so i do like cameron tringali as my final cash game cornerstone pick so my four cash game cornerstones are going to be Scotty Scheffler at $9,900, Corey Connors at $9,600, Sebastian Munoz at at $7,900, and Cameron Tringali at $7,300. This is going to leave you $15,300 to make the rest of your lineups. Now, other guys I do like in this range, uh, I sort of like Harris English. Uh, the guy's been making a whole bunch of cuts, but the, the the thing that really impressed me, he's actually first in par four efficiency from 400 to 450 yards in this field. And like I said, there's going to be a ton of uh, par fours in that range. And you counter that with his second in uh, strokes gain putting, you know, again, he could have a bad day putting, putting is volatile, but the guy's normally a good putter. Plus he's actually really good in strokes gained par fours. He's top, he's 16th. So the guy has been playing really good golf here. I wouldn't say really good, but he's playing decent golf here recently. And I don't mind his price at $7,800, especially when it comes to this field. Um, He's actually been really good from 150 to 175 here recently as well, as he's what, uh, I think top 20 uh, in that, in the last 12 rounds. Other guys I do like in this range is going to be Matt Jones. One thing about Matt Jones and one great thing about Gup's corner, uh, remember use promo code DGEN10 is that last week we had a we had a member that was actually on the course for the pro am. He was a caddying. He was caddying uh, for some people, and he saw Matt Jones play, and he said that Matt Jones was striping the ball solid, like you know, just, just ball striking supreme. And that's not really his game. And so you know, it put me on Jones, uh, and he did pretty well last week. I think he finished uh, top fifteen, top twenty, something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Ten, uh, top ten. Uh, he, fin- he finished tenth, uh, and so and he also won me that King and Bradley bet uh, 
on uh, on the final round because you know his his tee to green game was really really solid. It's just his putting wasn't that great, and he's usually actually a better putter than he is tee to green. So I sort of like uh, Matt Jones this week. Um, uh, I'll keep going into this bottom 7K range. Roberto Castro is going to be the course horse of the 5th and the 7th, I think, the last couple of times he's played this. He's another guy who's made a ton of cuts here in a row. Uh, maybe not in a row. I think he's might miss a ton, but he's made a ton of cuts here recently. Uh, and he's been top 5 in proximity from 125 to 150 in his last 12 rounds. And he's actually 2nd uh, in that stat in the last... 50 rounds. So the wedge game is solid and the wedge game is going to be important. And Castro does well uh, in there. Other guys I do like uh, Robbie Shelton. I'll throw another fryer out, uh, out there. The guy played well last week before coming down to earth a little bit on Sunday. Um, I'll also play a little bit of Seb Straka, whose iron game has been strong, getting a lot of birdies. Second birdies are better game in the last 50 round, eighth in strokes game, par four uh, in the last 50 round, and third in proximity from 150 to 175 yards in this field in the last 50 rounds. And of course, I'm getting all this information from Fantasy National. So go ahead and get yourself a membership there as well. Uh, other guys that I do like, um, Sam Ryder at 7K. Now, his ball strike or his his approach game, which is usually not his biggest strength, uh, was really solid last week, and he really didn't putt that well. And his putter is usually his best part of his game. So if he can continue that solid iron play and get his putter back to where it normally is, he can sort of make a run, uh, I think, in this field. So I do like him as well um, at $7,000. Who else do you like in this range, Tim? Few, few more guys. My third and final TTPO, you talked about him. Uh, Matt Jones, re- really like his play. You mentioned it, but it was, he was basically a stat boss last week, just didn't have a putter. Still came 10th. He's got a 10th, 30th, and a 4th in three of his last four events. Uh, I'm going to take him over Wierenski. So you weren't on Wierenski, but I think people will be. Uh, you know, he's got two great finishes, a 3rd and a 7th recently, but he was literally all putter last week, which is obviously what it takes to get to the end of the tournament to finish 3rd. But it just didn't see enough in the rest of his stuff to, to really go to him there. And I really like Matt Jones. People don't normally like to play him. I think he's a really good tournament pivot. Uh, you know, just to recap him, so and over Scheffler. Just to clarify too, guys, we talk about Gup's Corner heading over there, use the code DGEN10. My article over there, Tambo's Tea Time, goes into this more. But what I, what I do in my article is list the three T3POs with much more in detail as far as game theory and exposure and once i have gups ownership projections i can you know tell you what i'm doing against those so right now if i'm assuming that scotty scheffler is going to be at 20 percent and Anne is going to be at 20 percent or something like that i'm talking about i'll put in the article okay i'm taking Anne at 35 percent and i'm taking scheffler at five to ten just so i don't get crushed if he goes off and i'll build my favorite lineups with him so that i have some angles to cover especially in weeks like this where i'm not doing 150 max or anything i might put 50 lineups in the $8. So that's a little bit on how I do that. But, you know, the exposures and stuff, the game theory, all that's talked about over there if you guys want to check it out. A couple more guys, Kenny, just some flyers for tournaments. Charlie Hoffman, again, crazy. No one's going to be on him, 7500 bucks. Just a flyer only, but ha- hasn't been good, but he's just so cheap. Another one of those guys like the Lists or the Stanleys where it just seems like he's too good. A lot of people are going to some of the other names around it. Hoagie. You know, came second and his price only went up $400. He's been playing great golf, a second, a 20th, a seventh, and a sixth in four of his last uh, five. So for me, he's not bad. I'll I'll take a shot on him. I always like a little bit of Shank. Uh, I like Redmond. I don't, I actually like Redmond. It was going to be another pivot I was going to do, but I like Redmond a little more than Shelton just because Shelton did a lot of it with the putter again last week as well. So, like you said, they can always find it again. But when I see that and there's that much variance that we're this little into the season, the sample size is so small, I'm still going to take these shots. I really like Redmond. More on that later. A couple other guys I don't think that will be very popular. Bramlett, Hubbard, Higgs, all good flyers for tournaments. Bramlett finished 14th, price barely moved, had amazing stats. He's got some good stats, uh, good finishes, sorry, throughout the last four results. Mark Hubbard, really good last couple outings, recent form, stats, 10th last week, like him. And then Harry Higgs, don't understand it. Not many people were on him last week. He's, he finished 19th, and his price went down $200. His stats were fine. The guy won back in late July on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, and then lastly, my my probably favorite play in this range, you talked about him, was Sam Ryder. So really like him. T31, couldn't buy a putt. I'll be overweight on him this week for sure. Yeah, I do like Redmond. I do like Hubbard. And one guy I did forget to mention, 
I'll play a little bit of Kramer Hickok. I know he screwed me and whoever else used him as cash game cornerstones uh, last week, but it was one bad round. Uh, the guy's been playing really good golf, except for that one bad round, and I won't put that against him too much. Uh, so I'll play a little bit of Hickok and probably very, very low ownership after what happened last week. So that's another guy. Let's move into the 6K range. Tampa, why don't you get us started? Yeah, m- much less. So you just heard me name a bunch of guys in the seven. You heard me, you know, near the bottom and the top. Obviously, you know how my lineup builds are going this week. Not going down here very much at all, uh, even with having plus, you know, plenty of lineups in that because I'm not really high on Neiman at the top. Like I mentioned, I'm not high on Snedeker. So I don't really need to go down here too much. But two of the guys that stand out to me, one is Hank Lebiota. Uh, not a great result last week, but he was playing extremely well. His stats line up. Couldn't really get the putter going, but his tee to green and approach were awesome. And he's still finished 36. So he's making, you know, he's making cuts 36, 19th, 11th, his last three times out. So I do like Hank at 6,800 quite a bit. And then Sean Stefani talked about him last week. You know, he was in my plus plus nine in my lineup or whatever. Uh, He's got a T7 and a T10 here the last two times out. Big thing for him. I saw a quote, uh, I think it was from Josh Culp. And he mentioned that, you know, his course history is good. Um, but he said he loves Bermuda and he loves this course. So for him to get back on that, when a golfer thinks like that, has those former results, I really do like that. So uh, I'll definitely play some Stefani. I made note to point out your boy, Gim. You know, uh, maybe we get back on him. I'm not sure if you'll like him. But the only other guy I really like down here, um, besides, you know, a couple flyers, is Matt Every. Uh, screwed everybody. He was another one of the the MDF rule casualties. Cut at the number on minus three, but his tee to green and approach were awesome. I'll, I'll go back to him when nobody's on him. He came 20th here last year. Yeah, I do like the every call. I do like the Lebiota call. Um, I'll also be playing a little bit of Adam Long, who was exceptional tee to green uh, last week, but couldn't make a putt. So maybe he can get that going again with a little bit more putter involved. Um, I really like Rob Oppenheim. Uh, you know, the guy's been playing exceptionally good golf. And the last time he played here a couple of years ago, he finished in 18th place. You know, his last six finishes, 24th, 33rd, 9th, miscut, 6th, 23rd. So, you know, a bunch of top 25s, a couple of top 10s in there. He's been playing very good golf. And for a golfer at what, what is he, $6,500? I'm definitely going to be in on him uh, a little bit. Uh, Dominic Bazzelli, another guy who's normally an exceptional putter who went off tee to green last week. Who, you know, maybe not off, but he had a very solid tee to green game last week. But again, he couldn't make a putt. Uh, and, you know, putting is usually the best part of his game. So, you know, he gained 5.1 strokes with his approaches last week and lost 1.2 strokes with his putter. And that's the most he's lost putting. Uh, I'm, I'm scrolling back until St. Jude last year in 2018. Uh, so, you know, uh, hopefully the putting gets back and he gets that uh, approach game still going. So I do like Bazelli, And I'll take a little bit of a flyer at the former world number one uh, amateur player all the way down at 6,100, uh, Braden Thornberry. The guy has talent, former number one player in the world. Hasn't shown much too much on tour yet. But he's also, you know, normally a very, very good putter. And we'll see if that goes a little bit of ways. What do you think about that new kid? Um, Axkay Batia. Uh, supposedly he's going to be the new dude, right? I mean, have you heard much about him, the lefty? Uh, yeah, for sure. But, uh, you know, he, he went pro. It was a big thing that everybody talked about. 17 years old or something, I, I think. Yeah. And it was just interesting to see. I, I don't know, you know, what he's going to do here. I like your call better at 6,100 with Thornberry. I definitely don't mind that. I had him sort of in my when Kenny asks me anyone else that I want to talk about. So uh, I do like that, that you called that out. Batia, Batia is going to be interesting. More of a wait and see approach. Watch what he does here. See how he reacts. Uh, don't mind your Oppenheim call. The other two guys that I tagged that I want to talk about quick, because we won't know till tomorrow uh, when they price them out. But two of the qualifiers today, one was Steven Yeager. So really solid birdie maker. You know, I think he had a, a 59 the year that uh, what was it? Did JT post a 58 or something? And then everyone was like, it was a short lived for Yager for, for Steven Yeager. So um, I like him. He came 14th here last year, qualified. He won the qualifier today and got the first spot. And then Adam Svensson, our boy, the Canadian, your guy, uh, what's his name there? We always go against each other, but a- Adam Svensson is my dude, the Canadian. He, he finished 39th here last year, uh, qualified as well today. So I'm interested to see how their pricing comes out because they've got history they're obviously feeling hot, playing good golf to be able to make, you know, six birdies or whatever it was today to get into this for those guys. So I'm definitely waiting to see their prices. But that's all I really got, Kenny. What about you? Uh, one guy I missed, Morgan Hoffman. 
um, at 6,300, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's, what, uh, 6,400 uh, this week. Again, he had a great showing last week, and he's actually one of the better wedge players in this field. I think he's top 15 in proximity from 125 to 150 uh, in this field. A good putter who's normally, you know, and he's actually gained strokes, uh, gained a couple of strokes, not many, 0.3 strokes with his approaches. But he looked decent last week. I'll take a flyer on him at $6,400. All right. So anyone we missed, are we good? No, I got him out, man. That's good. All right, let's, let's, let's head to the Fantasy Golf Generals betting segment. Who do you like this week to bet on? I got six, a six-pack, we'll call it. So uh, I told you I'd have a little hedge earlier. I got the Scheffler at 25-1. to 1. I'm not sure if it's went down since then, but right out of the gates, I thought that was a good number when I looked at the stats and whatnot. Like I said, I dug into his putting a little more. I like the, the, the pivot for DFS. I don't really want to complete fade him because obviously we know what he's got for upside, but I do like him at 25-1 to 1 compared to you know, M or whatever at 14 to one there. I, I'll take the the number on Sheffler at 25 to one. I like Wise, who I talked about at 40 to one. I got Munoz at 55 with an each way. I got Sam Burns at 60 with the each way. I got Doc Redman at 90 with the each way. And then my boy Ryder at 140 with the each way. What do you got, Kenny? Damn, you got Ryder at 140? Yeah, that's a great, no, great number. I got Ryder at eighty to one. I, I'm definitely betting him. I have seven bets this week. I'm going a little bit uh, larger normal, probably because I want to keep the streak going. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I want to go four out of five. That'd be great. So I'm going a little bit heavier uh, this week. I like Scotty Scheffler twenty five to one. Uh, Corey Connors at twenty eight to one. Munoz I got at fifty to one. Uh, Tringali sixty six to one. So yes, I'm I'm betting all my cash game cornerstones uh, this week. Uh, Ryder at 80 to 1. 140 to 1 sounds amazing. I would take that in a heartbeat. But I got him at 80 to 1. Uh, Oppenheim, 125 to 1. And Morgan Hoffman at 300 to 1. Uh, so those are my, you know, I got a whole bunch of like long shots in there. And then I got a couple of shorter odds. So I'm going with those seven uh, this week. All right. Did we miss anything this week there, Tambo? No, you got me worried on that Ryder bet. I saw on Twitter today some guys, I think it was Epat, was talking about having a McCarthy bet at 200. And then I think it was Feinberg said, like, shh, don't talk about it. And then next thing you know, he came back and said it got canceled. And I think I saw him at, like, 60 to 1. So now I'm wondering if Ryder might be wrong. But so far, they haven't canceled it. And, yeah, I did lock it in with the each way quite large. So uh, hopefully he shows up like I expect this week. But I'll be all over him in DFS and with that bet. But nothing else for me, Kenny. Uh, If if not, I mean, you guys know where to find me. If you want more, the article's there, gupscorner.com, Tambo's Tea Time. It's going to have at least these three pivots with a couple more. More in-depth on exposures, how I'm looking at the tournament, game theory-wise for big multi-entry tournaments, looking at the big prizes. DraftKings came back with the $8 this week with 50 k up top, so a little bit more balance in that prize pool at the top, but it's still a, a pretty big-sized field. So uh, looking forward to that. Other than that, follow me on Twitter, at Totag and Tambo. Hit me up if you have any questions. DM me there. That's it, man, for me. Yeah, you can find me at gupscorner.com. Just like Tambo, my article has probably already been released. I, I go through uh, my course preview and stats to look for and a couple of other tidbits uh, that I don't necessarily say on the pod. I say most of it, uh, but I say just a little bit for that article as well. And then um, also you can find me on Twitter at KendoVT. And, uh, you know, that's going to be it for this week. Let's win some motherfucking money, DGen Nation. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org.